welcome back to the Little Bear Abroad podcast. For some reason it feels like it's ages since I've done this, but anyway, it hasn't been, it's only been a week. Um, And this week we are talking about languages and specifically learning languages, something which uh, I find is a little bit of a mystery to be honest. My language learning skills are not that great. And since I've been studying Swedish for probably about four years now, I am nowhere near to where I should be. so we decided, to, or I decided that um, I really wanted to talk to somebody about whether or not we were maybe putting too much pressure on ourselves to learn a language, especially when we move from a different country, and that we should actually let nature take its course. So I enrolled one of my good friends, Sophie, who um, owns the company Be Swedish. Uh, they're an amazing um, private language and cultural training company um, and they do everything from training one-to-one with people like you and I to teaching doctors and nuclear engineers um, how to speak Swedish and how to write reports in Swedish so they really have a great understanding about the different levels that people need and require when it comes to you know doing work and living abroad in a different country. But the thing um, that was great about speaking to Sophie was that she kind of decluttered it all for me. And I think what you'll find is, you know, there's some fantastic takeaways at the end of this about how to learn Swedish or, or you know, dip, you know what, what to, how to go about learning Swedish. Um, but most importantly, I think it, it actually she confirms that it's not that much of a mystery. And what actually is involved, I'm afraid, is just hard work motivation doesn't really play a part in it either it's just about hard work um so i really hope you enjoy it and as an aside note to that today i actually just attended one of sophie's group training sessions and these group training sessions are going to become more and more frequent up until now they've only done one-to-one sessions but now in 2018 they're going to be starting group training sessions and i think they're going to be a fantastic way of learning swedish totally different from SFE, totally different from Folk University, is it? Um, But really great quality tutoring. Um, So look out for some more information about that on our website. Um, And you never know, there might be a little discount coming your way. Okay, I hope you enjoy. Sophie, thank you very much for allowing me to be here this afternoon, taking up a little bit of your afternoon. Thank you. uh, so tell me about your origin stories. Where did you come from? Well, I, I think to sort of sum up why I'm here today, it started off uh, when I was a teenager and I lived in Jakobsberg, which is a very boring suburb just north of Stockholm. And I was really good in school, but I had one problem, which was I was really, really bad at English. And this was partly related to me being a good student, because at home I wasn't really allowed to watch TV. And I was just sort of reading books and spending my time doing other things, but all my friends were uh, spending their, their evenings and nights watching American TV and course up English. Uh-huh. When we started learning it at the age of 10, I was already behind. And I, I mean, I was really good at grammar and learning words, but never had the sort of spontaneous speech. I, I couldn't speak like the others. So this became a bit of a complex for me. And in uh, when I, when we finished school, I decided sort of you know I need to sort this out because this is a, like it's too much in a way for everything I want to do. So I decided the best way of sort of face my fear would be to move to an to an English speaking country, and uh, then I ended up going to Edinburgh, Yay! Scotland, 
Did you actually live there at the same time, you think? I was there between 2001 and 2000. No, no. that's because I was in Canada. You were in Canada. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> that's fun. And um, I needed to do something in Edinburgh, and so I applied to uni, and I became an architect, um, which was really interesting. I love going to uni. I love studying this subject. But when I started working, I got really disappointed, and... Uh, it was just too boring and too hmm. real. Hmm. Hmm. So I had a bit of a life crisis and ended up going back to Sweden. And um, right before that, I got a small job at a language school hmm. in Edinburgh, teaching Swedish to, I think it was a bunch of Polish guys who all had Swedish girlfriends. And I taught them Swedish Brilliant. because they were sort of planning to relocate here. So when I came back to Sweden, I just didn't really know what to do with my life. I didn't want to continue with the architecture. So um, I got a job sort of continuing um, to, to, to teach Swedish. Um, I was working at Folk Universität at the time. Mm-hmm. And, well, things happened. I, 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 really enjoyed, I really enjoyed my job and I really enjoyed the sort of cultural aspect of language mm-hmm. uh, that I discovered more and more when, when working together with my students. Yeah. So when... I'm so... I kind of feel like a huge relief not to hear that even somebody like you, who is now a, a like qualified professional language teacher... I'm not qualified. <laughs> I'm very professional, but I'm not qualified in any way. <laughs> but okay, a professional language teacher um, had problems with language. Oh, I'm, I'm really bad with languages. And I, I, I speak Swedish, I speak English, I've been taught French. My husband is French, they speak French at home, but I can't speak French. I can't really be bothered to learn it either, you know. Although I know exactly how I would do it if, if I wanted to, but no. Brilliant. I'm just as bad as you guys. <laughs> oh, that's such a relief because I just think I'm stupid. That's the only reason why. Oh, right. <laughs> lazy, probably. But yeah, stupid. lazy. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably more like it. Yeah, lazy. Um, okay, so that's that's an that's an um, that's a, an amazing story to get from to go from one extreme to the other. Yes. Wow. Okay. So when you came, when you were at Folk University, then what suddenly made you decide that you were going to go out and do your own thing? I mean, what was? Well, um, it was actually me and Gina, my colleague. We both sort of discovered after a couple of years that people would come to the reception and ask for us rather uh, than any teacher or any course sort of provided by Folk University. So we sort of got this confidence that we should maybe do this thing at some point mm. um, but it wasn't actually until I had my kids that I decided like well now is the moment I need to sort out my life I can't have this sort of part-time job for the rest of my life and not really going anywhere so mm-hmm. uh, it's a moment to to start structuring what I can do and, and you know mm. I had a bit not time to reflect but yeah but the moment yeah uh, and I think kids are a really great um uh, they do. They do a really wonderful job of prioritizing things yeah. for you and putting things into perspective and making you suddenly realize, oh yeah, I don't really know if I want to do that anymore, or do I want to spend what's pre- precious time that I do have doing that? You know, no. So yeah, I I, I think my kids just made me really productive because I had mm. so little time. I just I've been sort of, sort of very procrastinating personality otherwise, but now mm. I just started doing things and getting yeah. things done. And, that really helped. Mm, cool. So now you have that. So that was how B Swedish was born. Yes. Okay. Love. Um, and why did you decide to call it B Swedish? 
Oh, that's <laughs> uh, it's, it's really difficult to come up with with a business name, and it's really difficult to come up with a sort of graphic profile and and things like that. And I was sitting in my in the sofa actually with with my kids and sort of staring out into space and and thinking what what should I call my business? And we have this blanket on the sofa, and it's got this hexagonal pattern. So I was looking at that and I thought, well, I like hexagonals. I could do something really interesting with that pattern-wise. Mm-hmm. As well, hexagonals, mm-hmm. uh, bees, bees. Yeah, <laughs> there yeah. we go. Got it. Bees. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so it wasn't really thought through. People ask me if it was sort of there was no domain name called Bee Swedish Romani, but it wasn't really that. It was just sort of that. Yeah, I want to play with hexagonals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's perfectly reasonable. Absolutely. Um. Okay. So I wanted the reason that um we decided to get together and talk um, was because I, as you said before, I personally have a serious issue with mm. learning Swedish, um, which is when it comes to speaking, I'm like, it just doesn't happen. Mm. And I think it's a similar issue with many, well, yeah, yeah. With many people, but we know that that kind of a, a sort of, I don't know, it kind of feels like a barrier goes up, you know, mm. even though I can probably read about 70% of what I see written down or listen to maybe 70% of what I'm hearing, I can understand. When it comes to seeing the words coming out of my mouth, I am lost. I mean, there's just no, I can't even, it just, it's like a, I just, the system shuts down. Hmm. So I wanted to, I began to wonder if maybe that's because there is so much weight or pressure put on an individual to learn a new language when they come to a new country. It's, it's, it's so important in terms of integration, assimilation, you know, the buzzwords that are going around at the moment about people, you know, how getting back into the job market and things like that. It's, it's such an important factor. Mm. Are we just putting way too much pressure on ourselves to learn it in, you know, in as fast a time as possible? Well, yes and no. Uh, I think I think in terms. I mean, I hear this story very often that people are well. I, yeah, I've lived here for five years or eight years or whatever, and I should be at this level right now. I should be fluent, or I should mm. be able to work in Swedish. And and yeah, well, you can't because you haven't started. And I think there are a lot of people sort of setting their goals according to what they think they should be yeah. doing at that time. And. Mm-hmm. and this is obviously not going to help because if I've been here for 10 years and I don't speak a word and, you know, I should be fluent, I'm not going to get to that sort of fluent stage um, within a couple of days or weeks or months even. But I think, I think it's, I think many people sort of misunderstand what it is to learn a language because I see this very often that people sort of believe it's some sort of big system or equation or or formula or something that they need to understand and yeah they sort of sit there and you know they take notes and they learn this piece of grammar and this bit of grammar yeah. and they expect you know at some point all these jigsaw pieces are going to fall together exactly and i will be able to speak it and and this is definitely not how it works because it's it learning a language is not theory it's practice yeah and yeah. it's a social practice and it's a physical practice yeah it's something you do with your body with your mouth primarily and i think my best analogy is how to learn how to dance because you know if you're gonna become a professional ballet dancer or semi-professional you wouldn't sit around and just learn or, or sit, sit around and just watch youtube videos yeah you would probably because you know it's, it's inspiring and you would learn some stuff and you maybe learn some terminology but you would actually need to get on the floor and start you know taking those first steps yeah and, 
your first steps will be really bad mm. because you will you will have problem with coordination. You will you know you'll forget what you're doing with your hips because you're focusing too much on your feet and vice versa. And it's exactly the same thing with language. You need to start and you need to say those first words and actually do it. And it's going to be really really bad, but. I don't think that should discourage you because you will do it again and it will be better and mm-hmm. then you will make progress. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, like any sport or any, any, any anything that needs requires you know attention to detail and practice and yeah. and it's a yeah. physical thing. You use mm-hmm. the muscles in your face and these muscles. I I had this um, this really really long time ago. I had a student and she was actually some sort of researcher. And I don't really remember in what discipline, but she was working on a project where, mm-hmm. where um, they were taking pictures of people's faces, like comparing them to when they moved to a country and when they have learned the language. And the, the, the shape of their face actually changes over time because you develop new muscles speaking that new language. Wow. And... Uh, that's amazing. So it's not just something in your head, it's something you do as yeah. well. And I think many people underestimate that uh-huh. dimension of learning a language. Yeah, because I think that I have always, uh, I mean, I've, I'll tell you about my language story. My, I started learning Swedish back in the UK. Mm. I went to a, a private um, group lesson. Um, maybe, oh, that's a nice little beat to join in with this podcast there. Thanks, everyone. Um, um, private, yeah, private group lessons. Um, I think it was once a week or something like that and uh managed last managed 10 weeks mm. and it just all fell apart and it was mostly because the job that i had at the time was incredibly stressful i was really stressed i was knackered i just didn't want to do it anymore basically um and then i started when i was seven months pregnant or actually no eight months pregnant when i was in sweden mm. um i lasted two weeks and then was like i can't come here i'm just i can't sit for four hours in a classroom and learn a language i'm too mm. uncomfortable and then I started again last winter and uh, had such an awful experience with the SFE school. Mm. Um, I ended up in four different classes. They placed me wow. in four different classes because they just... It was no, it wasn't something to do with me personally. It was something like it was the end of term and they had a switchover of classes and they were trying to place people in all the different classes and it was just one of these. I think I learned how to, I mean, they were, I I had to do that classic Swedish SFE thing of you write down your name, where you've come from originally, why you're here, you know, what your husband's name is. And and I was just like, if I have to do that one more time, I will shoot myself. You know, it was just, it was awful. So I aborted that quite quickly as well. Um, and you know, but I, I've been thinking about it more and more and more, and it's becoming more and more important for my business, not just for mm. anything else, but for my business that I'm able to, you know, conduct myself in Swedish and be able to communicate with other people. Um, but I'm beginning to wonder if it's if that way of learning the language is works for me. Mm. You know, the theory, the very theory focused, yeah. the grammar, the structure, the all that kind of stuff. And I actually, I think I wonder if it's more, I just need to talk. Yeah. And if you had a good teacher, <laughs> I'm not going to try to sell you my, my expensive language courses, but I, I think a good teacher would sort of manage to integrate both the theoretical part, which is how you structure your language with you actually doing mm. it and, mm. and saying things. But I mean, many of us are on a, on a budget and I couldn't even afford my own language screening. Yeah. So it's good to find an alternative 
um, method. And I think one thing that actually works really well, and I've seen people who learn Swedish this way, is to take a book. Yeah. A book in Swedish, any text, it could be from Metro or something you find online or or a novel or whatever, and actually start reading it to yourself, but aloud, using your voice. Not looking at the text and thinking, well, you know, if I look at this long enough, something will happen. But, <laughs> you know, start to produce these words. And then, you know, you might want to sort of read one page aloud, then come back, translate, understand what you're reading, yeah. reading it again, and yeah. sort of, but actually, you know, find a method to put the language mm -hmm. into your system and, and using it mm -hmm. and producing it. Yeah, somebody once actually recommended to me that it wasn't quite the same thing, but somebody sort of said, um, find, try and find a Swedish version of a novel that you know really, really well oh. and, uh, and read it. And, yeah. and because you know the story, you understand what's happening. You, the, I don't think you, know, you will understand what happens because your, your Swedish is not just, you know, you don't have that vocabulary yet. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm just guessing right now, but from, yeah. from what you told me, I think, I think you're really going to struggle. So I think, okay. I think it's even like, you know, just get that one page and read it like 100 yeah. times, but aloud. And, yeah. and, and then because when you're reading and actually using your voice, you will, your body will find that structure mm -hmm. and, and you will learn how to make sentences. Mm -hmm. and because... Language is about mimicking, it's about repeating and copying what someone else has said. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, mm -hmm. I'll come up to you, you might sort of reply with one sentence from that book, yeah. and, it, and it will be perfectly okay, you know. <laughs> so, you don't need to make up you, the language by yourself by yeah. thinking and combining, yeah. you just use something you've read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a very good idea, it's a very good concept because, I mean, I think about it now, like, I, I'm the, the only person I'm really comfortable speaking Swedish with is my two and a half year old daughter. Mm. And I'm sure she doesn't understand half of the things that I say. <laughs> very, very soon she'll start judging you and telling you when you're well, wrong. She already has. Oh, she already is. Okay. <laughs> she like my, uh, I think my 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 uh, uh, tenses are getting corrected quite regularly. Okay. By her, so, yeah, no, that, oh, that's I'm, great. I can accept that. That's fine. Um, but uh, I, that's another thing though as well. I think it's incredibly important. Like I've only just begun to understand what the difference between being bilingual or multilingual is mm. and being fluent in something yeah. like that's the I mean that I I think that obviously has to do with having a child who is bilingual mm. like I you know it's not it's not anywhere near the same as learning another language or being mm. fluent in another language you know as you learn a language you're going to constantly just be translating in your head yeah but if you're bilingual it, it doesn't even it doesn't even happen I mean you just it's just there yeah, yeah. It's she's very lucky it's crazy like I, I, that's but the, to understand that it that that's how it works and it's not a, a the same process as what oh, we were no, going through no. and that I will never have that. I think that was a big thing. I was like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> right, I'm never going to be that good. Okay, that's fine. I can understand. I can deal with that. I can take the pressure off myself. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's cool. Um, but uh, it's a uh, it's a fascinating process and one that still scares the hell out of me. Mm. And I think perhaps that's something that's a personal thing a mental thing I, I think most people are scared and most people are sort of I mean, I mean depending on you who you are you you will sort of handle that fear in, mm -hmm. a, in a different way some people mm -hmm. become very self-conscious and some people mm -hmm. sort of just avoid uh, the issue and some people sort of decide to ignore the issue and speak without um, actually paying attention to their own mistakes or yeah that it's not perfect so I think it's a very personal way how you Okay. Sort of. Yeah, because I, I do really admire these people who don't even think about how they're saying things. They just, they just, I, 
just say it, just get it out there. Because well, they, they, they shouldn't be too much admired. No, I know, <laughs> but it's, it's better, I think, than just sort of going... I mean, I see a sort of spectrum. On one hand, you have these people who are extremely self-critical and they often have a lot of difficulty sort of speaking and they're often a little bit more comfortable writing or at least mm-hmm. sort of just, you know, reading or, or listening. They tend to be very self-critical, but in, in the long run, they make much more progress and they will always make more progress and they will never sort of stop learning. But, you know, mm. 20 years later, they're still sort of criticizing themselves and, and, mm. and, and learning mm. new words. Mm. Mm. They're often very good, but very scared. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have these people who are extremely, you know, they don't care anything about what they sound mm. like, but they mm. often stop making progress because they believe they're good enough. Yeah. And... From my sort of teaching point of view, these people are the most annoying ones because yeah. it's like you really have to sort of shake them and tell them you are not doing it right. Yeah, um, yeah. And because if, yeah, and I think that's the one of the things that sort of puts that's the one of the things that puts me off as well is the fact that I, I like I, I the fear I just have this in this innate fear mm. of some like just be, yeah being like everything is bad. Just, just don't speak. Just, just shh, don't say anything. Just don't talk. You know, it's like you're that bad, and I'm like, oh. Or the the worst, but the worst, worst, worst. And I'm sure you've heard this a dozen times. But worst, worst, worst is when you, you know, you work up that enough confidence to go into a shop and ask, you know, and order a coffee and a bun or something else like that in Swedish, and then the the barista or something turns around and goes, "Sorry, what?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I just ordered a coffee. It was." Perfect. I've been learning that in SFE for the last three weeks. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, and then it's like it just is a bit like a stab to the heart. But I know you shouldn't. You really shouldn't take these things to heart that much. But well, it, it happens to me. I can go in and order a coffee or something in perfect Swedish, and they still <laughs> reply to me in English. So I, I don't actually think it's got anything to do with your language. Okay. You look a little bit more social than the average Swede. It's just gonna, you know, assume you're a foreigner. So. No, I. I, I Okay, that that's good. That puts that puts me at ease. But so, what about then this whole I, this notion of be of motivation? Mm. You know, this kind of uh, y- you learn faster if you're somehow motivated more to do something. I mean, yeah. Tell because I I read the article that yeah. you wrote about about that for Be Swedish, and I was really fascinated about that. Um, I don't believe that motivation in this way it helps in any way whatsoever and I know there are lots of stories of people saying oh yeah she learned language you know Swedish in three months or six months or a year but she really wanted it and I often have people sort of asking about my clients like oh they're doctors you know but they should be really motivated they learn really mm-hmm. fast and I mean that doesn't really help mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean first of all you have all these sort of external factors which will sort of affect how fast you learn Swedish and things like, you know, what your first language is, if you have learned any languages before, mm. and in that mm. case, which languages mm. is much more mm. useful to have learned German than Japanese, for yeah. example. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this is time you can put on it. Like, I mean, both you and me, we have small children, we would never really learn a language yeah. very fast yeah. because yeah. We, yeah. we're busy all the time. And um, how much how much exposed you are to the language? Because, mm-hmm. you know, some people, they speak English at home, they speak English at work, they don't really get any exposure to Swedish, and that's not really going to help. But if you really want to learn it, you will probably be more sort of likely to start a Swedish language learning project. But if you don't have the resources or a method to, to, to 
do it. Mm. Wanting it is not going to help. It's actually going to be in your way because you believe that there is some sort of problem that's stopping you from from, mm-hmm. from reaching your goal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's all down to... It's all down to practical things. And, yeah. I, you know, I, 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 I'm a bit biased, of course, because I'm a teacher. I really strongly recommend you to start taking a course. You're not going to sort of go out and sit in a Swedish environment and pick it up just no, like that. Like, yeah. You can't do it. I think you really need sort of a good introduction to that. Yeah. Um, but I forgot what I was going to say. I'll have that. Um, I, so you, you're not one of these people then that believes firmly that if you just go somewhere, you'll absorb the language? Not in the beginning. I mean, it, when you have not, nowhere to start, it's like swimming, you know. If I yeah. chuck you into a swimming pool <laughs> and you've never swum before, what, what are you going to do, you know? Exactly, so yeah. It's good to have some sort of method. You learn a little bit about yeah. pronunciation so you can sort of match what, what, what you're hearing with what you're reading. But yeah. when you've sort of passed that sort of first beginner stage, I think you're ready to sort of, you know, navigate in the mm. real world and you will start sort of catch a few sentences here and there. Mm. You will start yeah. putting things together and then you can actually use that environment is a learning environment mm-hmm. but it's very very difficult from the beginning unless you're very exper- a very experienced language learner yeah um so i i definitely think you need some sort of introduction mm-hmm. and i mean we have to look at children but you know a small child they don't start speaking properly until they're like two years they've been listening intensely for two years to language before they start making a short sentence a word here and yeah. There. yeah 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 and that's a good point mm. And is that true? This is something that I was wondering. I mean, I know that you're not um, <clears throat> necessarily an expert on language development in children. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Um, but there's a lot of people who listen to the podcast who do have very small children, mm. as you know. Um, and um, a lot of them, a lot of the children are, will grow up being bilingual for various yeah. reasons. Um, I mean, what is their recommend? What, should, what, would, you, what would you recommend... You know, is there anything special that the parents could do for the children, or is there any, you know, because it seems to me that that kind of theory around multilingualism in children is changing constantly. Mm. I mean, that kind of opal thing, you know, there was the one, one parent, language. one language, and now it's that's been in some circles dismissed as being completely rubbish, and you can do whatever you want, and the child's still going to learn the language. What's the well, I, as, as you said, I'm really not an expert on children and language development, but I, but I have bilingual children and they're twins, so I have sort of very little material to do my own research on them. Yeah. And I, I think the most important lesson to me is very, very individual. I, I have, um, I mean, my twins are three and a half years old and the way they've picked up French from their dad is very different from each other. So Victor, who's my, my son, he's... He's really good at pronunciation, mm. and you can sort of ask him. You tell him a word in Swedish, and he will counter, you know, right away with the right French word. And mm. he's mm. even correcting his sister when he thinks her pronunciation is not good enough. Whereas yeah. Askia, who's not at all as good at pronunciation and not so good at translating, she actually uses French. And when her dad comes home from work, she starts speaking French to him, which Victor doesn't do. So I think, I think that's really something that all parents should tell themselves that you know even if we treat the kids the same and give them the same sort of exposure to the other language we can't really control and it's all about learning behaviors and sort of how their brain particularly works yeah they're all very different different persons and yeah of course i mean i believe in exposure and some sort of systematic approach by reading Mm. and maybe watching Mm. films but Mm. it's all individual Mm. i think Mm. yeah because that's the i mean we stella has 
yet to real. She's two and a half now. She, and despite spending the majority of her, the first two years of her life with me, mm. speaks Swedish. Yeah. Which and we and the, the crazy thing is is that we speak English at home. Yeah. So all of her language development has really come out of school. Yeah. And her grandparents. So, um, I mean, she does speak a little bit of English now and again, but it's very much that's just Swedish. Yeah. Um, much to my surprise and kind of horror at the same time. I'm like, I oh, know it's also it's just it t- brings up lots of issues about you know she's got a whole other family back home in the UK yeah. and if my parents can't communicate with her, what's mm. that? What kind of end result is that going to be? But of course it'll work out in the end. And uh, she will sometimes speak. I have clients coming to me and and. Basically, we're showing up really desperate because their kid has chosen to speak only Swedish, and these parents don't actually speak Swedish. And this happens very often when you have um, parents with two different languages. Say one speaks English and one speaks Spanish, and then the child goes to a Swedish preschool. The kid very often starts speaking Swedish at home, and then you know at some point the parents are exactly. just not catching up with the with with the, with the pace, and they don't know what their kid is saying. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. you were like, okay, yeah, in this moment, I really need to learn. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure that's probably eventually going to, what's going to happen to me as yeah. well, is that, that it'll be the fact that Stella is outpacing me yeah. in the Swedish department, <laughs> that I'll be like... I, but, and I'm beginning to feel that pressure yeah. now, but also for business reasons as well. But um, I think... Um, so in terms of going back to what I was asking before about how the, the weight and the pressure that we mm. put on ourselves... Um, do you think that's unnecessary? I think you need to put pressure on yourself, but it has to be the right type of pressure. Okay. Because, as I said, like I need to be fluent within this time frame. It's not going to work because you don't know how to get there. Yeah. Uh, so put pressure on yourself in that way. It's like, well, I'm going to invest five minutes every day on actually learning Swedish. And that might sound really easy. You know, five minutes is nothing. Mm. But keeping up that habit is a huge project mm. and it requires a lot of discipline and dedication and continuity. And this mm. is actually really difficult, but that is what will pay off in the long run. Because yeah. if, if you imagine, like, you know, all these people who have like, been here for five years and I don't speak a word of Swedish, if they had spent five minutes every day from the moment they arrived, they'd actually got really far. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so I, I think you, know, you need to start with this very, very small step mm. uh, and, and sort of focus on keeping up the habit. That should be your goal, mm. keeping up the habit. And you, you can have different sort of very tangible goals, like, well, I'm going to speak Swedish one hour per week. If you come a little bit further than that, like, okay, one hour per week. And don't get excited because, you know, I'm going to speak Swedish to all my colleagues from, t- you know, from, from Monday on in every single meeting, I'm going to speak Swedish to all my colleagues. No, that's not going to work. And you're just going to end up really disappointed, you know. So, annoyed, <laughs> frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's not a matter of sort of life change. It's just, okay, well, on Monday, on that, you know, coffee break between half past 10 and 11, I'm going to speak Swedish. That's yeah. a really good goal. Yeah. If you do it every week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what would you say to anybody who has had family members um, <laughs> turn like around you? to them and say, I'm not going to speak to you until you speak Swedish? <laughs> I mean, that, I, like, that actually hasn't quite happened to me, mm. not quite like that. But I do know people who that sort of experience has happened to. And I mean, what, I mean, how do you, what, do you, what comeback do you give to that? I mean, it just seems slightly... Well, it kind of happened to me, but in, in the other way around, because my, my, my husband's family, they live on a very small island in, in the middle of the Indian Ocean. It's called La Réunion. It's mm. 800,000 inhabitants, somewhere between Madagascar and Mauritius. It's tiny. And they don't speak a word of English. And 
I know very little French, but they don't speak French. They speak some sort of Creole. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, which is fairly <laughs> similar to, to, to French, but they're sort of refusing to, to speak to me in anything in this sort of very authentic Creole without making any effort to make it sort of simpler for me, which is not helping me. So I'm sort of in that rebellious phase. I'm not going to speak back to them either. Exactly. So that's exactly uh, what I did. I was like, well, I'm just not going to speak to you then. Personally, <laughs> if they're not going to make an effort, I don't think you should make an effort either. <laughs> you know, because of course the argument there is, well, you're in Sweden, so you should speak Swedish. And I'm like, yeah, I'm working on that. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's not going to take me 10 minutes. <laughs> no, no. And, 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 you know, why don't start with a small conversation now? Like, yeah. you know, you could start with a hey, who more do? Yeah. And you can do that for five minutes and then you can switch to English or shut up or for the rest of the evening. It's completely unrealistic that ooh, one day you're going to switch on because it's not a matter of will. It's not like, oh, if I try really hard, it will happen. Yeah. And it doesn't yeah, work like yeah. that. And I, I do have, like, I have got friends of friends who are, who are very you know and it comes from a place a good place like you know with their heart on their sleeve and so on and where they they will only um uh converse with with me in swedish mm. um and it just makes kind of you know what were once really incredibly insightful interesting and fun conversations i mean i just dread it now it's mm. just it's, and i think that's such a shame it's such a as you say you know it's it makes fine to start the conversation and to you know really go into that kind of yeah um little snippet of of swedish just to practice that yeah. you know but then you know it just ruins a good night yeah of course <laughs> and uh, i mean it's even like my husband he, he, i mean he's french and he speaks really excellent english he speaks really excellent swedish but we refuse to speak swedish to each other because Oh no, <laughs> and, and I'm better than him. That's another thing, you know. Like I'll always be in a power position, and and that's not really good for a relationship. So I I, I really don't believe in that sort of love. Uh, you know, from from yeah. from March on, we're gonna switch to Swedish. That doesn't really work like that. And I think if you start a relationship, like a personal relationship or a romantic relationship, mm. it doesn't really matter. Mm. Continue with the language where you started because that's where you have your identity. And I think. If you're not sort of on the level to have a really interesting conversation yet, you should maybe mm. find a language partner. And it could be either someone who's also learning the language yeah. and, or someone who's Swedish but, you know, wants to learn English or yeah. something. Yeah. And then you'll have to have these very sort of contrived conversations about, you know, a topic that you decide on for beforehand. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't just go spontaneous because that's going to be really boring. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're just going to sort of meet up once a week and say the same thing. After, like, six weeks, you just stop it. <laughs> that doesn't work. But if you sort of plan a little bit and it doesn't mean too much you can plan you know today we're going to talk about food and then mm -hmm. you both prepare a little bit of vocabulary and you meet to talk about food and the next day you know you're going to talk about I don't know traveling or you know you choose okay. a topic mm -hmm. yeah that's a, that's an interesting way of doing it to yeah. get that kind of because I think that's what I would really like is a, a talking partner yeah. you know not somebody that doesn't speak particularly good English but that both of us are actually learning Swedish, so yeah. we have to speak Swedish. Yeah. You know? or, or you start that relationship with Swedish. You never really, you know, she doesn't get to know you as, a, as, as yeah, an English-speaking English, person yeah, because then she's not missing you. Yeah. Because that's the thing, you know, if we'd start sort of speaking Swedish right now, I would probably miss your personality a little yeah. bit. I'd be a bit disappointed. Because this is a very interesting, that's another interesting kind of valid topic, is that we, uh, you know, going on to that personal relationship side of things, Matthias and I, my other half, tried very hard to mm. start speaking Swedish with each other um, but he his and it was him that stopped it because he mm. said 
I am a different person when I speak Swedish. Yeah. And when he first told me that, I was like, oh my God, who am I living with? You know? <laughs> Who is this person? You know, what's the, like, but but now as I've started to learn Swedish more and more, I absolutely understand that. Mm. You know, I kind of I get that completely. That sort of you take on different, um, you know, the, the sentence structure that you use is different. Mm. The the word the, the the sort of describing words that you use are different. Just it just changes you you entirely. Your identity is in a different language. Um, so. It's a, I, I, I had never really quite put two and two together that language and identity were, mm. were quite so quite so interlinked. So I completely understand that. Um, but it's a, it, it, I guess it's just something. I mean, what happens when you get older and you both like can speak Swedish? I don't know. I think you'll just continue in English. You know, okay. Okay, yeah. And then, you know, once in a while, you know, you'll go to a dinner party and you'll have to speak Swedish and you feel a little bit uncomfortable because Matthias is right next to you. Because that's the thing as well, you know, someone who knows you in one, like, you you feel a bit embarrassed when they see this sort of other side of you. Although you're perfectly fluent, there is something really... I think it makes you very vulnerable somehow, speaking another language. I I think you're right. I think when we speak our first language, we have all these sort of strategies to hide ourselves and, you know, protect our sort of embarrassing parts but when you come into new language you you're very sort of exposed and yeah you get to show these parts that you don't want anyone to see yeah. really my mum believes that it's a very scottish thing um yeah? that you that people find it difficult like scottish people find it very difficult to to not to learn another language that's mm. what I like, but to, to speak another language because it kind of cracks that you know Funny hardened hardened you know, exterior of kind of being quite a sort of not that I'm a hard man or anything. <laughs> well, you're quite sort of sarcastic yeah. and funny. And yeah. yeah. You so it kind of cracks. You've got to show that sort of more vulnerable, soft, yeah. squidgy side of, you know, oh, I might make a mistake. Oh, you know, and, and she's just like, yeah, that, you know, I don't, she's I said to me in the past, I don't know anybody that is sort of that good Scottish mm. and is that good at learning language that hasn't from childhood mm. learned similar languages. That's so interesting. I think it's maybe a, it could be a kind of cultural thing as well as a, um, other things. But uh, yeah, well, um, thank you for um, kind of reaffirming my faith in, <laughs> uh, in language, language training and language skills and so on. And uh, I, uh, I think it's, yeah, it has... I knew I kind of thought that there was a, a small part of um, uh, the sort of the mental aspect of mm. language learning as well as just the, you know, the doing it bit, you know. But uh, yeah, mm. thank you very much. Good luck. Yeah, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Be Swedish and about courses that we've got going? Or um, we are a very very small company. Just. A- like two of us is me and uh, Gina who is actually a qualified teacher uh, in contrast to me uh, but we both have a lot of experience she started teaching Swedish in 2004 and I started in 2008 um, and we do mainly one-to-one classes and we tend to get the sort of really difficult cases we're a bit of a last resort <laughs> right now that might be um, me <laughs> but uh, we, we could teach you, you anything I'm, 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 at the moment I'm sort of teaching how to write reports about nuclear nuclear engineering that's um, which is a bit of a challenge for me as well but um, we're actually starting group courses uh, after Christmas it's our plan as well so you should check out our webpage yeah 
And I think what we will do um, in the run up to those group courses is maybe put a little, um, a lo- do a little feature on the website as Ooh. well, just so that people can see the levels available, obviously linked to your website as well, mm-hmm. but and give a little bit of explanation about what the courses all contain. I might and stuff spontaneously like that. just give out a little discount code or promise <laughs> a discount code, but uh, <laughs> check out Jill's website for details. Um, and um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Good luck. Okay. To everyone, you can do it. Start now. It's too late already, so you might as well get started right now. That is a good, that's a good way of thinking about it. It's yeah. too late already, yeah. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Thank you very much um, and thank you for listening and see you soon. Bye!